1: For the SBS studios in Ataman, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land I'm recording from. I pay my respects to the Kamaragal people of the Guringai Nation and their elders past and present. I also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from. Hi. I'm Suraj Koloka. As a child, I immigrated to Australia, and I've always had a fascination with immigrant stories. So on this podcast, I'm bringing you these stories through the eyes of our wonderful guests, recounting their first-hand immigrant experiences. Everything from hope, fear, alienation, and ultimately triumph. My guest today is Julia Mawande. She moved from Italy to Australia as a child, and she spoke absolutely no English. She was greeted by a very close and extended family, but couldn't speak to anyone her age. It also made school incredibly challenging, feeling like a child of two worlds, but belonging to neither.
0: I was born in Italy, and I grew up in a little town in Tuscany called Massa, which sounds really picturesque, but it's a bit of a hole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was born to uh, a mother who was actually born here in Australia but went back to Italy. She was Italian, went back to Italy uh, when she was 18 to, you know, find herself and ended up marrying my dad and 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 having me my dad was a professional wrestler
1: wow like wwe style i wish
0: no, no. it's like borat mankini uh, greco-roman wrestling <laughs> so far less glamorous and so yeah he was uh i guess he was touring all all around italy and um wrestling and um yeah, and that's where he met my mum in Rome at a campsite. So on the off season, I didn't even know wrestling had an off season. But anyway,
1: <laughs> oh, he, she wasn't in the crowd for a wrestling. No, action. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: they, yeah, they. He was, uh, <laughs> he was a lifesaver at a Roman campsite which had like a really small pool. So right. <laughs> it just made no sense. It was definitely a bit of a dodgy job, but ended up meeting my mum and um, yeah. So she stayed there, had me my parents' marriage was quite tumultuous and it didn't last. And my mum really wanted to bring me back to Australia because she had family here. And my dad was very much like next year, next year, wanted to put it off as, you know, as long as possible. Mm. And so I was nine years old when finally the divorce kind of went through and my mum made the decision of bringing me to Australia. So I came It was a really tough period, probably in about the 12 months leading up to coming here, for sure. Yeah, so
1: you would have been around eight years old Mm -hmm. then, and you were still uncertain about whether... Did you know that this Australia conversation was in the background, or... Was it, that
0: uh Yeah, I knew it wasn't that it's funny how much you pick up as a child, you know, especially hearing your parents fighting all the time and you kind of know a lot more than what they give you credit for, for yeah. sure. So I knew something was happening, but for me I didn't really know what Australia was or what it meant, and it just felt like I guess being so far away as well, it felt like a bit of a fantasy land.
1: Right, right. Because I was gonna say, what did you know about Australia when you were when you were eight?
0: I- just knew that I had family there and yeah, and, yeah. and kangaroos. And that was <laughs> about the extent of it. Yeah. Um, and I just knew that it was, you know, very far away Yeah. Uh, and that you needed to get on a plane to get there. And that's about it. So, yeah. And were
1: you um, settled in with, you know, friends, school and everything? Oh, absolutely. And so were you maybe apprehensive about uh, the move?
0: Yeah, I was. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't want to go because mm. I had... And also... <sighs> I had not only an established friendship group and I was doing really well at school. I had, I didn't know how to speak English. So I had no English and I think also wrapped up in all of that was I had to leave my dad behind and that was probably the most painful component of the move or leading up to the move anyway. So, but the biggest thing I think for me was the language was, you know, I don't know, how to speak English, and I was trying to get as much as I possibly could from Sesame Street, <laughs> as a lot of immigrant kids do. Yeah. Um, pri- I remember, you know, my uh, getting VHS tapes <laughs> mailed to me because <laughs> 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 we didn't get Sesame Street in Italy, and so you, you'd watch them, you know, on the VCR and you'd try and make sense of it, but, yeah, nothing could really prepare me for arriving here for sure. <laughs>
1: Tell me about uh, how far uh, away from the move to Australia, like how far before did you know that this is happening?
0: Uh, Two weeks.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this was you're you're in full swing with, uh, you know, friends, school, everything. And two weeks before your mum mm-hmm. says this... This is
0: it. We're moving out. We've sold every. And I, I kind of got the inkling that something was happening because furniture would start to disappear. <laughs> and so I knew, you know, something was happening. And yeah. then finally when we were just down to like a bed, mum was like, I've sold everything. We're, we're moving to Australia. And I remember we, we, we were living above this shop just before we moved. We had packed everything up at a, out of our apartment and it was above this upholstery place and it, I mean it was just like really basic and I just thought to myself is this what it's what life is going to be like you know I guess it was the calm before the storm but it was just yeah I had no idea what was about to hit me
1: <laughs> yeah um what was uh everyday childhood like uh, in Italy
0: uh it was pretty um Masa is a, a tourist town so it it Basically, it's dead during the winter. There's Ooh. nothing to do, and it's quite depressing. <laughs> I'm painting a really great picture, <laughs> and then it comes alive in summer. So right. for three, you know, three odd months during the year, you know, we'd have all these tourists come to town. And my childhood consisted of I was an only child, so I really just kind of had to make my own entertainment. I'd get on a bike, and you know, I'd drive down, I'd ride down to the beach, and. You know, I'd meet up with my friends, and there was a lot of freedom for sure. I mean, it was also, you know, the early nineties. So. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: I was an only child in that time as yeah. well, and it was kind of like as long as you come home, it's fine. Yeah, that's right. As
0: long as you come home, then it's fine. And yeah. you know, I think being a small town, everyone knows you and what you had for breakfast. You know, oh, so yeah, it's yeah. Very, yeah, quite small, and so small
1: population. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah most people are somehow related. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think it was was idyllic for sure. I mean, there were some parts I think that were tainted and that really was just more the fact that, you know, I came from a broken home and, and home life was not that great. And so my escape was, you know, get on your bike and go and visit friends or go to the beach or do all of those sorts of things. But that really only happened in summer, so... Right, yeah.
1: right. The rest of the time it's... It was uh, at
0: home. It was quite, yeah, quite, uh, I don't want to say oppressive because I feel like that's a really big word, but mm. it was pretty... Um, Rough. Yeah, well, it wasn't great.
1: Yeah. Mm. And so two weeks before coming to Australia, you're told you're going to Australia. What, what's your, what are you planning? What are you thinking?
0: I just, all I knew was that, yeah, we were... We were about to embark on a pretty insane journey. Mm. Um, And then I I think I was more excited about getting on a plane, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, had
1: you been on a plane much before No,
0: So it was, I mean, it's a pretty long haul flight as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it was just a, a bit of an adventure. It was very fun. I was quite upset. I think the last memory that I had just before I left was, you know, my dad was very much a glass half full always cracking jokes. He was a practical joker. And I think just before we left was the one and only time I saw my dad cry. And so it was quite, uh, yeah, it was, I was happy to be having this adventure, but also I knew in the, and as a kid, you know, carrying that emotional load was quite heavy, you know, just knowing that I just don't know when I'm going to see my dad again, you know? So, yeah. So it was a lot of anticipation, but, it came at a cost,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, mm. so then you get to the airport, you get on the plane, take me to the the first first day,
0: oh gosh, well, we were my mum was flying with an <laughs> nine year old so it wasn't too bad, but we were both definitely very sleep deprived and yeah. i I don't think either of us were prepared for how long the journey was mm. It felt like I had arrived on a different planet, to be completely honest with you, it was. November, so it was quite warm. Yeah. Uh we arrive in Melbourne and I'm greeted by aunties, uncles, cousins, like that I'd never really knew before. So it was quite amazing. You know, just instant acceptance, instant love. And I think coming from an only child household, it can get quite lonely. Right, right. So all of a sudden I had this, you know, extended family come and greet me in this, you know, what for me, seemed like Mars. It was like another planet, you know, the dirt looked different, you know. Everyone was driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> so then we go to my uncle's house in, in Melbourne and he lived in um, Hawthorne, I think. It was a nice, fancy suburb. And I think the first thing that caught me off guard was I remember walking into the kitchen and opening, <laughs> opening the pantry First of all, pantries are complete foreign concepts in in Italy because everyone kind of goes to market on a daily and eats quite fresh and there's not really a lot of non-perishable goods in an Italian household. All of a sudden I open this thing and I'm like, is there a war we're preparing for? This is crazy. (laughs) It was just chock-a-block full of, you know, treats and... A big, massive jar of Nutella, and that's when I knew I, I was going to be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fridge was stocked, and I think, yeah, just coming from bare, you know, bare necessities to this insane house full of stuff, and everything was so much bigger as well. And I think it was the first house, actual proper house, that I'd been in because everyone lives in apartments in Italy. So, yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. I thought, it, I thought it was going to be. Yeah, definitely an adventure, but I wasn't prepared for how amazing the first day was. <laughs> yeah,
1: and coming from, you know, say the the loneliness over mm. there to like the close-knit uh, Italian, like cultural fabric that he had with all the relatives that he hadn't met here yeah. would have been a big shift.
0: It was a huge shift, a, a welcomed one for sure. Mm. Um, and I think as much as it pained me to see my dad so distraught with us moving and moving so far away... I had uh, this sense of comfort knowing that, okay, the, these, this is my family now, you know. And so it was – Italians are just very – well, in my experience, yeah. not all of them, <laughs> a massive generalisation there, <laughs> just so warm and welcoming and especially when they know – if they can – if even if, you know, you're 1% twice removed related, you know, your family and – you get treated as such. And I think that was probably the best welcome gift this country could have ever have given me. So
1: wonderful. Yeah. And they spoke Italian, of course No, they didn't. Oh, they did not No. <laughs> so you were not able to communicate with no, these people. I wasn't.
0: So cool. I, my mum would translate as much as she could, but then, and I, I credit her to picking up the language so quickly. She was like, no, we're in Australia now. Like this is it. So I've, she threw me in the deep end for sure, but yeah, I couldn't communicate with my family members because they couldn't speak Italian, so it was um, it was tough. A
1: lot but of pointing. A lot of pointing. <laughs>
0: Luckily, we're a race that uses our hands quite so <laughs> a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of sign language. So, yeah.
1: Um, and then, um, how long was it where you you started going to school and?
0: Yeah, so then um, we only stayed in Melbourne for a few days, and then we moved officially to Brisbane because my my nonna, my grandmother, lived here. Um, right, and so we moved in with her in Milton. Um, and yeah, I was quickly enrolled in Milton State School. And yeah, it was <laughs> that at this was stage tough.
1: still still no English, still no English, and first day at school, mm-hmm. what was that like?
0: Uh, <laughs> horrendous. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. It was, that was probably the toughest uh, component of the move was going to school. All all of a sudden I had to wear a uniform, which is, you know, unheard of in in Italy. No No uniform. No.
1: So it's very American in that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking, why is everyone sitting on the ground and eating their lunch? That was a weird thing as well. Like it was just, there's no chairs. I was like, what is this? You know, everyone's drinking from bubblers, you know, no, no, you can't drink the tap water in Italy. So it was just, yeah, it was just mind blowing. But, yeah, not being able to speak English was really, really tough, and I quickly had to. I mean, it was I was in survival mode for sure because kids do not care. Yeah, they don't care, and so I was. I, I looked different. I still kind of felt very much out of place, and my only comfort was that. You know, I, I was an ESL kid and I had a couple of Vietnamese friends that also couldn't speak English, but we couldn't communicate with each other either, <laughs> so it was just really tough. <laughs> the language barrier was, was a huge, it put a huge target on my back for for just kids being kids, really. Ooh. I could say bullying, but really at the end of the day, they would just be <laughs> right
1: bags. <laughs> So then uh, take me through how long it took for you to start, you know, absorbing English and then communicating Mm. with fellow students and and family members.
0: Uh, To be honest, it took probably a good year. Uh, And I arrived in November, which is right at the end of the school year. So I essentially skipped year three and not out of, you know, just because of the the school year start in September in Italy. And so it was just a few months. So... Pretty much all of year four, I was really just having to really figure out the lay of the land. But, yeah, and I I quickly learnt that humour was my weapon. I remember this one time there was these these two boys and I couldn't understand what they were saying, but I could tell, you inherently know when someone's making fun of you. And they were pointing at me and laughing. And so I thought, oh, these – and then a crowd kind of started to form. And I remember just kind of looking at them and then – I mean, inside, I just felt like I wanted to cry because I knew they were saying horrible things. And then I just started laughing. I started like cracking up laughing with them. And then they just, I just saw this fear in their eyes like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) This chick is crazy. You
1: outcrazed
0: them. I did. I outcrazed them. And then everyone, and then the crowd just kind of dispersed. And and, and I thought, that was the first moment I thought, if I make fun of myself first, no one can hurt me. Like, Mm. and so then I just quickly adapted to being in the class clown and, and the, you know, my funny, you know, English. Oh, my accent became a source of laughter and I laughed along, you know, with them. Like I'd say please instead of please because that's how it was written on paper. So like the <laughs> vowels still kind of stuck. And and I remember um, we had this excursion to this, I don't know, it was a shopping mall. And I remember seeing this, you know, sale signs everywhere and sale in Italian, the way it's written is sale, which means salt. And I, I'd be like, "Why is there salt written all over the <laughs> shops?" You know, and everyone'd be like, "Oh, Julia," you know. And so I kind of played to that, but that was very much a defense mechanism because, like I said before, kids can be brutal. So yeah, yeah, it took me about a good year to kind of adapt. And
1: and in that first year, um, were you missing? Were you missing home so much?
0: Yeah, yeah, so much. And my dad and. Um, I have quite a big family on my dad's side. Um, so, you know, I kind of kept in touch as I, I possibly could, but back then it was letters. You letters, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So everything just took a long time and phone calls, international phone calls were extremely expensive. So, you know, any chance I'd get to kind of talk to my dad or talk to family members, I you know, I would, but then I remember getting off the phone to my dad and it was like a two minute conversation because that's all we could afford. I just remember feeling so down afterwards because it was like, yeah, I mean, he was single at the time and, you know, his wife just left him and, you know, packed her bags and took his one and only daughter. So it was not, you know, there was a lot of guilt involved as well. So then I guess the phone calls started getting less and less. The, The letters, you know, were a little bit more sporadic. So, um, I missed home a lot, but my the only way I guess I could cope was just to really just immerse myself and try and assimilate as much as I could into Australian culture. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, your dad had uh, his work there, so mm-hmm. I guess it was difficult for him to come, come visit?
0: Yeah, difficult and expensive. Yeah. Um. One thing I've recently learned is that, it again, super generalisation, but Italians just can't really grasp... The concept of getting on a plane for 14 plus hours. (laughs) And so, any kind of long distance, Australia is so far away. Mm. And, and yeah, air travel at the time was expensive. So, he, I think he came and visited maybe once and then that was it, like the whole time I've, you know, been here. So, wow. Yeah, it was just, um, it just wasn't really, it's not accessible. So, yeah, there was definitely a big rift that kind of happened and not, not you know, in a bad way, it just naturally we just grew apart.
1: Yeah, the same way, you know, with uh, close family members or friends that you knew really well in childhood, but then over time with with distance, yep. it just slowly kind of peters out, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. That would have been, I guess, especially at such a young and formative age, quite difficult to deal with
0: yeah you go you grow up really quickly like you yeah. just yeah you you figure it out and you go okay well you learn a lot about relationships when you are so physically far away and you have a lot of time to think and even as a nine-year-old and then growing up I guess yeah you have a lot of time to realize it's you know people just aren't always going to be there you know that's just life. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really high note to (laughs) live. No, no, no.
1: (laughs) I like the highs. I like the lows. I like the (laughs) middle. So at the the end of that first year um, in Australia, um, how did it uh, start to feel in terms of uh, adjusting and starting to maybe slowly think about this place as another home?
0: To be completely honest with you, I still feel like a bit of a fish out of water and I'm 36 now. So I don't know whether I've fully immersed myself. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know what calling myself Australian really truly looks like because I remember even when I first came to Australia, I came as the Italian, but there was already an established very well-established Italian subculture mm. here in Australia. And I didn't feel like I fit in with them either. Like I didn't even know what the word wog was, <laughs> you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, her family members go, oh, go and play with so-and-so. She's Italian. And, you know, I'd try and talk to them in Italian and they wouldn't understand me. And, you know, it was just I I didn't know what generation I belonged to because I wasn't second gen. I wasn't mm. first gen. I was like this in-between you know, fresh off the boat Italian yeah. and, and I, yeah, I just, I couldn't find an in with the Italian kids that were second gen and there wasn't a lot of f- freshies. Yeah.
1: they would be 30, 40 <laughs> yeah, years old. Exactly. I'd be playing
0: cards with 50 year olds. Like, that. yeah. So that was, you know, um, so yeah, I just don't think, I don't think I truly, and I still to this day feel like, I've completely immersed myself, but at the same time, I'm okay with that. And I've only just recently come to peace with that because I did go on a trip back when I was 19 and I was, yeah, I remember going, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Italian here in Australia. I'm, a, I'm the Italian one. Yeah, yeah, I'm Italian. And then I went to Italy and I was like, oh, no, I'm Australian. <laughs> I'm Australian, I'm Australian. You know, like I had culture shock. And yeah,
1: going back Going as well. back. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so I was just in like no man's land for so long. I didn't know what to call myself or what I identified more as either, either an Italian or Australian. And I think society really wants to put you in, you know, they want to make it easy and just classify you under one, not yeah. two. So I really struggled with that very much so. And it's only just this most recent trip that I just got back from that I've, I'm like, I'm okay, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah, No, absolutely. I came over at 11, so similar age mm-hmm. to yours. And in those those first 9 11 years that you spend uh in uh, at uh, at your home country, your first country, mm-hmm. there you are the the local, right? You mm-hmm. so fully Italian. And then when you come here, you're very Italian in in Australia. Mm-hmm. But then, as you said, uh, 10 years later when you went back, now you're very Australian in Italy. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that for me sometimes when I go back to uh, India as well, where the way I think about things and the the way I react to things, there's a lot of influence of growing up here. And uh, my, my primary school friends that I grew up with, uh, they, they have a very different outlook and approach and, and, and lifestyle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can so relate to that. And I think the biggest thing for me was like that the moment where I heard myself speak Italian with an English accent <laughs> and I nearly vomited in my mouth. I was like, oh, my gosh, what is this? This is so wrong. Like I just sound like a foreigner, but this is my first language. I couldn't even speak English. Yeah, You know, I only started speaking it when I was nine and yeah. what, like, I just felt like such a fraud. <laughs> so yeah, I totally relate to that. That was my life.
1: So uh, you said you went back to Italy when you were 19. What, uh, what prompted that uh, trip?
0: Yeah, I, um I really wanted to, I guess, try and figure out my roots again. And, and also I really wanted to see my dad. I was in a really weird space too. I was living in Sydney at the time. I was single but also talking to someone <laughs> and so i was very much just trying to f- yeah i i didn't know what to do with my life i was very much at a crossroads so i went back to italy for about a, mu- oh, a couple of months actually and um Yeah, I remember seeing my dad for the first time and it was like I had this image in my head of what he looked like and he was, you know, he was an athlete and he looked like, you know, a very short version of Antonio Banderas in the (laughs) 90s, you know, like and then all of a sudden I I remember rocking up to the airport and this old, like (laughs) very old looking man was running to me, and I didn't recognize him, and just gave me this huge hug. And I thought to myself, "Who is this crazy person?" And then I realized, "Oh my god, it's my dad!" And so, yeah, I guess I just wanted to reconnect with him, with you know my culture, and it was just the most insane experience. It was yeah, like I said, I had major culture shock. Uh, I lived with him and my stepmom um, for a f- what was about six weeks. And it was just like all of a sudden he was just treating me like a child. Like, right. But I from was 19. what he
1: knew, Yeah, I from guess. what he knew.
0: It was like he was trying to make up for lost time.
1: <laughs> so,
0: so I remember like I had like Mickey Mouse pajamas laid out on the bed and I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm 19 living by myself in Sydney. Like I'm very independent. And all of a sudden like there was all these rules and, you know, like I just step back in time. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just him being – you know, him being the super protective dad and and yeah, feeling like he had to, I guess, just try and show me what my life could have been like had I stayed in Italy. And that was the real big eye-opening moment for me where I just thought to myself like, oh my God, like, I'm so glad I went to
1: Australia. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, was it tricky to uh, reconnect uh, with your dad? Were there were there challenges?
0: Yeah, there definitely was. I think for me, it was really hard to see him age mm. um, when you don't see someone for, you know, 10 years. And that, those 10 years were quite, you know, leaving at nine and coming back at 19 was just... Like so much happens in that ten yeah, years, yeah,
1: and that's at that stage, that's half your whole life. Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: So I think the biggest challenge for me was getting getting along with my stepmom. That was tough, and I think for him, he really, really tried to try and relive part the happy parts of my childhood. So he'd take me to, you know, my favourite gelato place or and like I said, it's a small town. So everyone kinda knew that I was back. Right. And so, you know, it was very much like I felt like a bit of a movie star, you know, he'd walk down the streets and be like, Julia's back, you know, Julia. But then he'd introduce me, we'd spend most of our days and he would introduce me to these people that I genuinely did not remember. And he was like, do you remember this person, yes. that person? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know exactly that feeling. Someone will come up to you at a at a function and say, Oh, I knew you when you were three. I did so-and-so with you. Do you remember? It's like, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, and then they'd get pissed off when you don't remember. You'd be like, I don't, I'm really sorry. (laughs) I just, I I would just, I learnt to adapt very quickly and go, yes, yes, I remember, and then just leave it at that just to make them because it was just too hard otherwise. Or you
1: can scare them and you say, oh, yeah, I I remember (laughs) you.
0: I remember that time. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: Yeah, so the whole six weeks was very much like could not leave the house without, you know, him, couldn't go anywhere. So I did not even see Italy, which was just really quite sad. Wow, yeah, yeah. And it was there was this one time actually that he tried to set me up with a uh, childhood friend of mine, which I genuinely did not even rem- remember, but it was like a movie. It wasn't, <laughs> it was so awkward <laughs> and so cringe, but you know, like he'd set up this, this date, I guess you could call it that. Yeah. I didn't know what, what it was, but it was just like, you know, like a prearranged marriage situation <laughs> where it was like, do you remember Andrea? Like he used to play with him. And, and I'm like vaguely kind <laughs> of vaguely remember. And then this guy, like 19 year old, awkward as all hell, you know, <laughs> barely could like, he spoke Italian and English, but just didn't want to speak. Like was super shy. Yeah. And I remember just sitting at this cafe and just, trying to make small talk and he was just, he just looked like he was so petrified. Like, you know, his parents obviously pushed him to go this thing. And then the street vendor, you know, tries to break the ice and he's holding roses. And so he buys a rose and it's just, it was honestly so cringe. And that, that was the moment I went back to, I went back to my dad's house and I actually texted my now husband and was like, I really miss you. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, let's just like whatever, you know, cause we weren't, we were friends, but um, we kind of lost touch and I just really wanted, I just missed him so much. It was just that, that was a realization moment that I was like, I, I know who I need to be with. And it's not Andrea from my childhood who doesn't say a word.
1: Like, <laughs> so in a way your dad kind of helped you yeah. out. <laughs>
0: yeah, he did. He did in a way. It was very much a like a, the penny drop, you know, (laughs) where I was like, this is not my life. I do not want. And you know, there was a time where he actually sat me down, my dad, and he was like, can you see yourself living here? Mm. And I looked at him dead straight in the eye. and was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm okay with that. And he knew. And then he, it was almost like he kind of wanted to try and, and keep me and just show me that there are, there is, you know, like an, another alternative, But I think deep down inside, he knew that I would have way more opportunities here in Australia. And I think that's what, that's, I guess, what gave me comfort knowing that I'll always love Italy. Um, I'll always love visiting and I'll always have family there. And there'll always be like an integral part of myself that will come alive when I go back. But it's not my home, yeah, you know, and that's okay.
1: Yeah, and he didn't try to fight it too much because he knew where your heart was set. Yeah, he knew,
0: he knew. And I think that was, you know, I commend his
1: efforts. (laughs) (laughs) You had planned the the return trip, the six weeks. You knew that you were going to return at the end of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, my mum made me, like actually have that fix because she was. Pe- I think she part of- she was petrified that I was going to leave her and and just go back and yeah, yeah. I fall
1: in love with yeah. uh, Italy and <laughs> yeah. uh, get
0: married like basically do what she did. <laughs> That's what she was petrified of a hundred percent. So she was she made sure she was like you need to have your return ticket booked. So um, and I think I, I I for some I guess being that independent nineteen year old like I literally moved from Brisbane to Sydney by myself at eight, like when I was 18 and I moved from a very conservative, you know, the Bible belt of Brisbane to living in Redfern and working in King's Cross. Mm. So it was like polar opposite. And so I very much felt okay. My independence and then going back to my dad's house in Italy, all of that just went out the window. All of a sudden Mm. I was treated like I couldn't do anything for myself. And also it is very uncommon for 19-year-old girls to live on their own. I mean, people, kids live with their parents right up until their 30s, if that, probably even longer.
1: Yeah, in Um, Italy. In Italy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same in India. It's very, you know, rare for... they want to hang on. Yeah. I think the Italian and Indian, they, they want to hang on to their kid until mm-hmm. until as long as possible. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's exactly, this is exactly the
1: same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you've got men in their 50s where their, you know, 90-year-old mother still does their laundry. Yeah. <laughs> <so>, um, <clears throat> Yeah, so it was just a very foreign concept for them to be like, oh, there's a 19-year-old girl living in our house. Like, she just wants to go to the shop by herself. And it was just like, no, you know. Right. And I had, this, I had grand plans to see a lot more of Italy and be that tourist and really try and connect. But it was all very squashed <laughs> very, very early on. So, yeah.
1: And then when you uh, came back uh, from Italy uh, to Australia mm-hmm. at 19, was it with uh, a fresh set of eyes? Yes,
0: Oh, yes. The freshest set of eyes (laughs) you could ever imagine. I I remember talking to my cousins in Italy and they were so smart, but like they couldn't have, they didn't have the opportunity to go to uni, for example, because it was too expensive. And here we had Hex and I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like I have education at my fingertips. I have all, it just made me see Australia in a completely new light. I guess in a way it made me see it like, you know, the very first Italian immigrants that came here and were like, wow, this is really is the land of opportunity and I'm going to do as much as I possibly can to, you know, to to take it on board. And so, yeah, I came here, I came back, I enrolled into uni, um, I, I got together again with my now, I started dating my now husband and it was just everything just kind of, I really just, you know, grabbed the bull by the horns and just went hard out when I came back. So
1: there you go. It it gave you perspective on things you took for granted Mm -hmm. in Australia in those, in those 10 years before.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So what, what I found uh, fascinating also was you said um, even to this day, it's, it's uh, tricky to completely feel uh, like in your bones, like you're, in Australia, part of Australia, part of the, the culture. But there would have been a shift along the way where you started to feel, I guess, more Australian than Italian. Mm. Um, that would have started when you were 19 and you came back. But uh, in, the, in the following years, was, were there, was there a time that uh, you started to feel like, okay, Australia is going to be my home for the near future?
0: I, I don't know whether there was an, a, a particular moment. I think I started, ironically enough, I actually, uh, uh, my husband's Zimbabwean. So with that comes an automatic Zim community that was just like available to me. And In in Australia, a whole bunch of people that also felt exactly like me, where they were, you know, here in Australia, but Zimbabwe was home. And, you know, I guess we just all kind of gravitated towards each other. And there was like this group of people that just kind of were in no man's land as far as cultural identity was concerned. So I actually found comfort in that. And that's when I knew I'm like, it's okay to be like this. And I think the one time that I really struggled with that was when all of my friends were Australian and couldn't really relate to what I was going through. So I found comfort in, I guess, being with and around other immigrants that felt exactly the same way as me. Um, I found yeah, I found my people.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's, that's so interesting because the other Italian immigrants uh, were not in that no man's land mm-hmm. because they were first or second generation, but with your uh, Zimbabwean friends, you found uh, fellow people in that no man's land more yep. so.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's hilarious. Yeah, and just,
1: that's wonderful. It shows how you know, yeah, immigrants uh, from different parts are. Are relating to each other's experience in real time,
0: we all somehow end up finding each other. Like yeah. I found, even like in school, especially in high school, it, it, for some, the immigrant kids end up gravitating towards each other. And I'm actually seeing it. I mean, my kids are Aussies, they're Italian and Zimbabwean, but it's funny because um, you know my like my daughter's kid, my daughter's friends. all, you know, they all come from like immigrant backgrounds themselves. So it's funny how it just, it kind of, we're like magnets. We somehow find each other and we create this new identity as Australians. It's really great. Wonderful.
1: And I'm I'm glad we found you to be (laughs) one of the, one of the wonderful guests on this show. And thank you so much for coming on.
0: Oh, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for joining me for another episode. Next week, I'll be joined by Mac O'Kine from Ghana. Mack accompanied half a dozen African dental students as they immigrated to regional Australia. He's had experiences good and bad, but has always come out of them with positivity and cheer. You can find more info at sbs.com.au slash myfirstyear. My First Year on Aussie Soil is an SBS original podcast. It's created and produced by me, Suraj Kalaka, and Danny Giles.
0: Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.